Hey now, welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. Today, we are talking with one of the best realtors in all of Chicago. That's right, in one of the toughest markets in the country, she sells more homes than anyone, and she's gonna share with us the secret sauce to creating a luxury experience for her buyers. She caters to folks who have the money to live in Chicago. So. If you can replicate what she does in her business, in your business, you will have satisfied customers, you will have people who refer you, and you'll be able to command a free fee. <laughs> you'll be able to command a fee premium. We're recording this after dinner, and my wife made something with cayenne pepper. She tried to kill me, and so now I'm, I'm having trouble getting my tongue to work again. Please join me in welcoming Carrie McCormick to the Inside BS Show. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thanks for putting up with my mealy mouth uh, teaser introduction. Loved it. How how are things in the real estate market in Chicago? Well, they are fabulous, 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 just like it is across the entire United States. But I will say Chicago is, from a weather standpoint, it's cold here. But we're tough. We're tough here and we're resilient here in Chicago. But the market's red hot. Now, we're, we're just at the beginning of what looks like could be a little bit of an interest rate hike. Does that, does that, what, what impact is that going to have on the market? Is it going to, is it going to make the market a little bit more rational? Will it slow things down at all? What do you, what do you see in the next, say, six to 12 months? Yeah, so that's an interesting question, and we've been through this before. I've been uh, in real estate for a little over 20 years, which is hard for me to say that out loud, but um, so I've seen it all. You know, I've been through these markets before. So typically when they talk about rate hikes, what that initially does is it pushes buyers off the fence. So what that means is if there's a buyer on the sidelines or they're thinking about buying or not sure now's the time, with that... I don't want to call it a threat, but with that threat, we'll just say of, you know, interest rates going up, they're like, you know what, we better go do it now. So it's great because it pushes some buyers off the fence and pushes them into the market. Um, once we get into it and we start seeing, you know, rate hike number two come along, again, it still is a little bit of a push to these buyers saying, okay, it's real, it's coming, let's do this. Once we get into rate hike three or four, it does slow down the market. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. We are right at the beginning of this year. Typically, Super Bowl is our you know, launch into the spring market here in Chicago. So we're going to see a nice surge of buyers into the market, but we'll see how that interest rate hike does affect. But I think it will end up slowing it down as we continue through the year. Okay, talk a little bit about who your ideal client is cuz you know different different realtors focus on different aspects of the market. Who's the ideal client for you right now? Do you for, first do buyer side and then do listing side? I do both, but I would say that um, the way my business had formed was a little bit more on the listing side, which means, you know, I'm working for the sellers. And the reason that that happened was because my background before real estate was in advertising and marketing. So really, when you think about someone selling your home, obviously, they've got to have a great skill set of selling and negotiating, but really getting the most exposure for your home boils down to marketing. And what is marketing? It's, you know, the photography of your home. It's your network. It's just the whole branding of the home. I say that every home has a story to has a story behind it, and it's my job to tell that story. So long winded 
answer to your question, but um, I work with both buyers and sellers, but I'm primarily a seller's broker because I do a tremendous amount of marketing. And your your marketing is terrific. I want everybody to go to Carrie's website. So I'm going to say it here, but I'm going to put it down in the show notes. It's Carrie McCormick, R-E. So C-A-R-R-I-E-M-C-C-O-R-M-I-C-R-E.com. That is a good looking website. Let's talk a little bit about how you, so you're, if you look at your website and you look at the way you present yourself, it's obvious that you're, that you're serious about what you do. Okay. I live in Miami where there's probably two realtors for every citizen here in Miami-Dade County. And many of the realtors are nowhere near close to as professional as you. I'm sure you find this in your market as well. When you're when when you're engaging with a realtor, how do you how do you raise the level of the experience when you might be dealing with a counterpart who's, you know, doesn't have the same polish, doesn't have the same brand that you have. Yeah. So, you know, first and foremost, I tell everybody I am a fiduciary. I mean, let's not forget the role of a real estate broker. You know, we do have a very important role in this. And again, I'm a fiduciary to my clients. So their um, interest is what's most important to me. Um, when I'm negotiating or dealing with another broker who does not have their client in their best interest. Again, I just, I remain professional and my job is to do what's best for my clients. And um, I think that's one of the reasons too I've propelled in my career is um, just remembering, you know, what my role is to my clients and having their best interest at heart. Okay. So when you're, are there some types of listings that are just not in your wheelhouse and maybe you refer out or you just turn down or, you know, would you, is there, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a, a lid for every pot is the way the expression goes, but you know, you may not, it might not be your cup of tea. It might not, I mean, it takes the same amount of time for you to invest in a $1 million property as it does for a $300,000 property, right? So what type of listings are good listings for you? And what type of listings are, you know, you probably would send it to somebody else? Yeah. And this is a true, honest answer is I work with everybody. And the reason that I've done that is that's the reason my career was also built off of, you know, gosh, I mean, I think back 20 years, well, I could go into a whole long story about my career, about where I started. But, you know, even from like working with renters, a lot of people will call and say, you know, hey, do you have someone that can help me with a rental? Carrie, I know that you're too busy that you'd never do it. I always help people. And the reason is, is because that renter turns into a buyer. You know, that buyer will buy their first condo or home and then they graduate into the next home. It's a sequence that I work with with everybody. Again, it doesn't matter what the price point is or what they're purchasing. I always want to work with them because they're connectors. They are my clients and it's a referral source. Now, there are some things that I, I you know, I would refer out. And if it's in another market or if it's a different area that I'm not working in, for example, if it's in, um, you know, again, I'm in Chicago, but if it's in Naperville, you know, just from a distance standpoint, I cannot best service my client because it's going to take me, I don't even know, three hours to get out there or whatever it is. So stuff like that, I would refer out. But, um, 
I love all clients in all different phases of their life. And it just, it brings me joy to see, again, someone buying their first condo, them getting married, them having a baby, you know, and so on. So it's, to me, it's a lifelong client when I can get them early in the stage. And how did you, how did you get into real estate from a, from a career in, uh, in marketing? How did you get into real estate uh, from there? You know, it's interesting because I don't tell this story very often, but it really is a good one. And if you knew me as a kid, I was a very rebel-spirited child. Ask my mom. I did not follow the rules. I wanted to bend every rule that was out there. So I was in advertising, and, you know, it's it was one of those days where I'm going to say I didn't get what I wanted or I was upset over something, and I decided to take a walk. You know, I was in the Aon building, which in Chicago was a you know a fabulous building to be in, I left my office in a, in a hurry and wanted to take a walk to blow off some steam. I found myself walking, and this is in the late 90s, into the West Loop. And in that area at that time, it was not a great neighborhood to be in. So I ended up in the West Loop and in the middle of this parking lot was a sales trailer, like it was a trailer home, if you will. And I stopped and I'm looking and then there's cranes and construction people coming in and out. And I asked the guy, I'm like, what is going on here? And he's like, get out of here. It's a construction site. You know, like I should have had my hard hat on. And and I'm like, what are you know, what's going on? And he comes out and like, just to kind of get me off the property. And he's like, um, we're building a building here. We're building a condo building. And I look around and I'm like, who would live who would want to live here in the middle of this and he's like well why would you say that so we started this dialogue and you know it was i was very strong opinionated about why people wouldn't want to live there what they should build what they should be thinking of and he said are you in real estate and i said why yes i am <laughs> and i wasn't you know and He's like, I want it, I want you to come to my office next week. Here's my card. Here's you need to come talk to me next week. So I rush back to my office, get online, I look, how do you get your real estate license? And I sign up for the real estate class. So I meet with him the following week and I, you know, I, you know, I I told him, you know, I I lied. <laughs> Tom, I lied. His name was Tom. I'm like, "Tom, I I don't have my real estate license." I said, "But I did sign up for it, you know, so I wanted to be honest with you. And he's like, you know, he kind of didn't really care. He's like, well, I want to offer you a job. I really loved what you said. I loved your passion. I loved you thinking out of the box. And he hired me and I quit my job. And that's how my, my real estate wow, that, it was meant That was meant to be. Holy cow. That, yeah. that, that is a story where yeah, it was really meant to be. Now tell us tell us about the the first what, what's the first transaction you did the first thing you sold the first buyer you brought to a place and they bought something what was the first transaction what did that feel like for you Gosh I mean again this is going back 22 years ago so um, I wish I could say I had a good memory but it was on that project it was on that site that I walked on and you know the the great thing is I walked on that site when there was dirt on the ground. And I was there through the entire building being built and people moving into that building. So honestly, I don't remember my first you know, actual transaction there, but I do remember the sense of feeling, you know, either, you know, feeling proud that, you know, I 
changed the skyline of Chicago because they built a high rise there. And secondly, this was a place that these people called home and watching them come in and feel like they were so happy and so thankful that I was part of that. And that is really just that whole feeling. It sounds cheesy, but when you when you give to people, obviously I, I was compensated, but it was really about just giving that joy of them having a home really was just, I knew at that point I loved what I did. Yeah, we're, my family, us, we're still in touch with every realtor we've ever worked with, with everybody who's ever sold us a home because, you know, that, that may have been, they just happen to be all women, women, but that may have been her thousandth transaction. Right. But, it, you know, we're only going to do this two or three times in our life. And, you know, there you're a really important person in people's lives. You're bringing them into a new home. So it's, you know, that's that's one of the it's one of the like seven big events in a person's life when they move or that when they when they purchase a new home. Talk to me a little bit about the difference, if there's any, in working with affluent buyers, because a lot of people who listen to the show, one of the one of the niche markets that, that we work in, that I work in in my business is marketing to the affluent. Talk about the difference in working with affluent buyers versus working with, you know, just regular people like, you know, like me. How, how, do, how is it different? Is it different at all? What would you do differently? I do think that it's different. And I, you know, I think about it as a hotel experience too. Like if you're walking into a St. Regis or, um, you know, versus, and I'm not comparing this with people, but it's just, it's the experience of how you feel walking into a five-star hotel versus a three-star hotel. I would say that, you know, there's certain consumers that everyone values their time and their time is very important to them. My job is to take care of all of the details. And I've built a marketing campaign around that. And really what that means is that someone who values their time, you know, I'm here to help take off a lot of the burden for them. So whether it is, you know, through just having excellent communication skills to doing preview of properties for them because they are too busy, um, connecting them with the right sources around them, whether it's attorneys, lenders, um, interior designers, painters, contractors, that whole gamut, and really getting it teed up and set up for them. You know, I've got a whole network of um, people that I work with. So from someone who's, you know, relocating here from London, where I can complete the entire transaction for them, basically, from getting them moved into their home with, you know, towels and, you know, sheets on their bed to everything that they want. And that's what they value because they're too busy or they're busy. I shouldn't say too busy. They're busy doing what they do or what they want to do. And they know that they can trust me. They know they can count on me and they know it's going to be executed to a T when they hire me. So, you know, there is difference in everyone's, you know, level of service or what they want is different and I can cater to that whether someone does want the sheets on their bed you know from the time they move in versus the person that just you know wants me to tell them where the nearest target is so you know I I, I do adjust you know my my relationships with people and it's really based on what they want 
Okay, so I want you to talk about how you select the professionals that you put in front of your clients because it's it takes a it takes a lot of work to get these clients to trust you, and that trust can be blown in just one snap of a finger if the professionals don't take good care. So I want I want you to take us through your process for vetting professionals. I want you to tell us what your expectations are for them. And I want you to do it in just one minute. We have to take care of a little business first. I need to let folks know that today's show, and every show actually for that matter, is brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. For over 35 years, Sandrowski Corporate Advisors has provided expert client service to the folks they work with all over the country. Now, they have offices in Metro Detroit and in Chicago, but they work with people who are just like you, people who are business owners who want to reduce their tax exposure. Now, they, they work with other folks too, and I'll tell you about that in a sec, but why am I specifically talking about business owners when I talk about Sandrowski? Well, there are two times when you should get Sandrowski involved in your business from a tax perspective. The first time is when you're forming your business. You don't want to make a mistake with your business formation. So if you're starting a new business or you're setting up a special purpose entity, you should get Sandrowski Corporate Advisors involved so that you make sure that when it's time to sell, and that's the second time you need to think about calling them, when it's time to sell, your the sale of your business, the proceeds of that you don't pay any more tax than you absolutely have to. Now, you may think to yourself, hey, if I'm gonna sell my business in five years, I'll call them in five years. That's not when you should call them. You need to call them right now because there are some tax strategies that Sandrowski will employ that take five years to take effect, and the impact of those can literally be reducing your tax burden by millions of dollars. This is one of my favorite things that Sandrowski does, but they also do forensic accounting, they do risk management assessments, they do litigation support, they do all of these things. They're a full service accounting firm. If you want to get in touch with them, you can either call me and I'll put you in touch with them or you can call 866-717-1607, 866-717-1607. A CPA firm with a different perspective, that's Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. We're also brought to you by My Revenue Roadmap Guide. That's right, I'm giving you the business development plan I use with professionals. Why am I doing that? Because I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you watching. Here's what you need to do. Go to revenueroadmapguide.com, revenueroadmapguide.com, that website, enter your contact info, and you'll be able to download my free guide to a business development plan that will help you build a book of business that you can take with you wherever you decide to go. Now, I know if you're a lawyer or you're a CPA listening to this, you're going to stay at your firm forever. But what if you didn't want to and you wanted to have a portable book of business? RevenueRoadmapGuide.com. That will help you build your book of business. And it's my gift to you Thanks for joining us today. We're talking with Carrie McCormick. She's one of the top realtors in Chicago. If you want to reach out to her and have a luxury experience buying a fantastic property, you can call 312-961-4612 or go to her great website. I'll spell it out for you. It's listed in the show notes right below the show here. C-A-R-R-I-E-M-C-C-O-R-M-I-C-R-E.com. Carrie McCormick, R-E. Dot com. All right, Carrie. So how do you set the expectations for the people with whom you work? I know, I know, you know, a lot of good professionals, great professionals. I mean, uh, you're, you're part of uh, Provisors, which is a, a fantastic group of professionals that work all over the country, but you work with demanding individuals. So 
How do you set the tone? What are the expectations you have for professionals with whom you work? I have a very low tolerance, I will tell you that. So, you know, it's it's vetting and through the years, you know, just like any profession, um, you know, there's sometimes people, you know, for years do a great job and then they fall to the wayside. And it's really my job just to stay on top of it. And if I do see, you know, their services slipping is that I, I, I have a zero tolerance, you know, it's, you know, they're done. I hate to say that and to sound rude, but, you know, whoever I refer out and just like people, if they refer me and if I mess up, it's it's their reputation. So, you know, referrals and, and that type part of my business is so important to me. There's just, I've got a very um, low tolerance if someone makes a mistake. Okay. And do you, do you work, do you have a, uh, like a whole portfolio, like say, for example, um, I don't know, banking relationships or, yes. I, you know, mortgage brokers, yes. that type of thing. Do you have certain, certain people you refer out for certain things, or do you have one go-to person that handles just about everything when it comes to like law firms, for example, do you have a certain law firm for this type of client, a certain law firm for that type of client? How does it work? Yeah, I mean, I try to match personalities to some degree as well, and um, I would say in my 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 book of contacts, I probably have five in each category, if you will. And like I said, it's either um, you know personality type, or if it's a certain level of service that someone's expecting, I know which of my providers can perform best for that client. So it's a little bit of a matchmaker, if you will. So, you know, I like to make sure that there is, and sometimes with clients, I'll say, here are my two best lenders, or here are my three best lenders, you know, and I, I let them pick too, you know, so I definitely have a good variety and I want everybody to be happy. Okay. Now, do you have uh, do you have a specific like niche market or like fancy people would say niche, right? I'm from New York, so I say niche. But do you have a special niche market that that you that you focus on? Like I know a lot of people, um, you know, have an affinity for a certain country or something. So they do, you know, uh, people who are on assignment from like Germany and they're buying a home in Chicago. Do you have a specific market that you focus on? I really don't, but just a little bit about, you know, me is I was born, you know, I've always been in Illinois. So sad, but I've always been here, um, even though I'm not a cold weather gal, but I'm still here. So I grew up in the North Shore of Chicago and I went to college in the city and I've been in the city ever since. Um, I do straddle both the North Shore and the city of Chicago. So just talking about niche markets, I would say, um, you know, from everything in Chicago to everything in the North Shore to even some of the Western suburbs that I work with. So I'm a little bit all over, but you know, when you are born and raised here and you've lived here your entire life, and again, 22 years in the business, thousands of clients, it takes you all over the place. Now, when you get a property and um, let's say it's not the most beautiful property, Right now, we're we're in a hot market right now, but you know you've worked you've worked in all kinds of markets. So you get a property that is going to take a special person to fall in love with it. How do you market a property like that? You know, maybe it's it's not the nicest, but you know, again, there's somebody out there who's going to call it home someday. How do you make sure you get that property in front of the exact person who's going to buy it? So there's a lot of research that goes behind that. So 
there's two different avenues we can take is either we leave the property the way that it is, you know, that it's got its own unique, great style to it. And we're going to try to find that buyer. Or do we do a little bit of renovation to that property and make it a little bit more streamlined? I call it the HGTV effect where we paint it white and we paint the cabinets white or we do the whites and the grays and we stage it and we kind of just transform it into something a little bit more streamlined. So again, it just depends on which approach the seller wants to take. Again, do we do a little renovation to the property to make it a little more streamlined? And we do a little bit of an analysis around that. So for example, if you take a property, you put $20,000 into it, what could we get out of it? And what is the time frame for the sale if we went down that route? Or do we leave the property as is in its own unique stage and find the right buyer? So I think your question was, okay, if we left it in that stage, right, how do we find that buyer? And it's, again, a lot of research behind it, whether it's, um, I'll just use, you know, Chicago's got all different types of architecture. One architect here, which is very famous, is Mies van der Rohe. Well, Mies is just a very unique type of architecture, and it attracts a very unique buyer. So whether it's an artist, um, an architect, um, someone who likes modern design. So we kind of look down that path, and then there is different targeted uh, marketing techniques that we can use and my network of people to find that right buyer. So I'll tell you a story. I, I find it funny. I don't know. I mean, you might not find <laughs> it funny, but back in the day, years ago, probably probably before you were, uh, when you were in your uh, your marketing career, <laughs> or before you stumbled on that that site, yeah. I worked in real estate. I was I worked uh, I worked for ExecuState by Marriott. We did we did corporate housing mm -hmm. and. Um, at that time, it, I was in New York City and it was a very, it was a ridiculously tight market. And we had a big um, group coming in from out of the country and we were going to house them for a year. And we were looking at properties and the realtor took me to this one property and it, it was it was in the Wall Street area downtown, which is where we needed to be because our client was a financial service client. And we were looking at taking the whole building, um, you know, and we had to sign a long term lease for the whole building. The problem was the entrance. So what the realtor tells me is it has a Parisian entrance, okay? Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, that is brilliant, brilliant marketing, okay? <laughs> so I show up at the building. The cardinal rule of real estate, right? Never never allow your client to get to the property before you. Right. Well, I knew that rule, so I showed up like 45 minutes before the appointment, and I'm walking around the property, and I can't find the damn entrance. So the realtor shows up, 45 minutes I'm looking for this entrance. Realtor shows up, and I'm born and raised in New York. Realtor shows up, and I'm like, look, you know, the building seems fine, the location is fantastic. You know, I wanna see the size of the units, but I can't get in, I can't, I can't right. find the entrance. <laughs> we go down this alley like an, a literal <laughs> alley and he said i told you it was a parisian entrance oh my gosh <laughs> let me tell you something it was look we we took the building the clients loved it the clients thought it was the greatest they were they were from germany they thought it was the greatest thing <laughs> in the world so you know whatever but that was a that was a fantastic look the, the the description of that was fantastic and it was location 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 of course so to that end, right, how do you, 
when when you're looking at a property in this market, mm -hmm. you must you must think to yourself, how, how do you decide how to, how to price a market? I know you use comps and stuff, but mm -hmm. that's that's it's part science and part art, right? In this market, it's so hot. How do you decide how to price a property? Well, we've got the supply and demand factor as well, you know, so um, it's really a lot of the same tools that we've used. I mean, there is there are comps that we have to use. Uh, one thing we have to worry about is appraisals because if someone's getting a loan. So we definitely have to use comps and the data that's there and, you know, supply and demand as well. So um, it is a little bit trickier in this market, but I always think, too, we've got to price a property right. The market never lies. Even if we've priced a home um, just even a tad bit under what the market, what we think the market should bear, we'll just get multiple offers on it and it just ends up raising the price. So we're in one of those wild and crazy markets and, um, you know, pricing is a little tricky, but the buyer, the market always wins. The, you know, the market dictates the price. Tell me, tell me a story about a time when you were surprised, because I, I hear, I, I have friends here who are realtors, and they like a, my, one of my buddies just told me a story the other uh, the other day. I was I was out walking the dog, and I saw my pal putting up a, an open house sign, and I said, "Ah, oh, you got a house in the neighborhood? Good for you." I said, "Which house is it?" And he took me over and showed me. He said, "And the owners, they're crazy." And he told me what they were asking. He's like, "There's no house has sold. It's like one neighborhood over from mine." He's like, "No house has sold." at that price, he's like, ever. He, he said, I don't think these people wanna move, but this guy is a good referral source for me. This is what he wants to list the property at. I'm not gonna talk him out of it. We're just gonna see what kind of traffic we get from the open house. We did a ton of advertising, and you know, if we don't get any traffic, I'll see if I can get him to lower the price. They do the open house, no traffic, zero. I was the only person that went, me and my dog, <laughs> were the only people that went, right? Yeah. So weeks go by, and then around the, it's, the house is a beautiful house on a lake. Weeks go by, and uh, two houses behind this person's house, also on the lake, go up for sale below the price of this guy's house. They go like that. Basically, those two houses, and, and they, they, uh, they went fast, but really close to the guy's list price, the price of the listing. So basically, those two houses made the market for this guy. The next thing my buddy knew, he was getting all kinds of traffic, and they got three offers after those two houses sold above the price that they listed it for. And just six weeks prior, no traffic in the open house. But the other two houses behind him, which had, you know, which which were a little bit smaller, but almost comparable, made the market for him. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely insane. So my question to you, Carrie, is, you know, do, what do you do in a case like that? Like my, my buddy couldn't talk him out of it because this guy was a great referral source for him. He wanted, he, just like you said, wanted the market to make a difference. Do you play psychologist and go over and say, listen, it might sell, but it's going to take 12 weeks. Or do you just let it play out and see what happens? Oh, we wear all different types of hats, but you're right. There's also this monkey see, I don't know if that's the right term. Is it monkey see, monkey do effect? I don't know. It's, it's when, if another house, like, like in that cer certain situation, a house doesn't sell, but then the neighboring unit does sell. And then the whole market feels like, oh my gosh, I just missed out. I better go get that one. It's this sense of or fear of missing out. I guess that's a real word, right? So um, there is a lot of that that happens in this market too. Is It just it, it depends on where you price it, what else is selling around it. Um, 
if a if a unit sells and someone else misses out on it, they're going to go buy something else just for that sake of that they've got to get something else. Um, I think right now people are making a little some ira- irrational decisions on some of their purchases, and that's where it goes back to you know, my job, again, as I started off the conversation of being a fiduciary, and people do get really emotional through this, you know, they're these bidding wars, and they just want to win, you know, and again, my job is obviously to sell homes, but I've got to also educate them a little bit too, Of you know, listen, um, people are waiving their contingencies, they're buying homes as is, they're pi- buying them sight unseen, you know, just to get the home, just to win, and I just don't want to be in a, my clients to be in a situation in five years from now that they go to sell it and they're you know underwater or they're having a problem with it. So it's it's definitely um, playing psychologist is definitely playing you know all different roles to them. Um, but in this kind of market that we're in, it's 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 a little crazy right now. Yeah. All right. So what do you what do you do when you're you're negotiating and well let's start let's start it out let me, let me start this question this way so you're you're a well-known realtor in chicago i would imagine you come across some of the same people on the other side of transactions pretty pretty regularly right so does that make it easier to negotiate for your clients or does it make it harder i think it makes it easier because they'll work with you because they know they're going to see you around is that okay well you know and it's also they know you know my reputation is getting the deals done right and um i'm a very fair negotiator and um you know if there's any roadblocks that come across in a transaction i am the first one on the phone i am the first one responding i am the i i mean i i try to get deals done and I think anyone that's worked with me and they see me on the other side of the transaction, there's a little bit of a confidence factor in there to know, okay, Carrie, again, she works with you know the right lender, she's got the right attorneys, she knows how to get the deals done, she's not a deal breaker, you know, and um, it definitely does help get deals done. And I tell my clients too, it's um, not that they have to work with me whatsoever, but it's just whether they work with me or someone else, just know that you know a realtor having a good reputation and being able to get deals across the finish line is going to be important to them. Um, there are brokers in every market and every profession out there, and you know whether you're a, a lawyer, a CPA, a, whatever you are, a doctor. There's others in your profession that you just don't like working with, right? I mean, it's the world. I mean, it's. The circle, you know, a friend, there's always someone that you just don't enjoy working with. And it's the same in my profession. So if, if you come across those people, it just makes it more difficult. Um, I always say, I my, my motto is always be so nice to everybody, honestly. And, um, you know, we, we it's a small circle that we run in and um, it, it helps the transaction and get things done much smoother if you're nice to everybody. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. That's a that's a fantastic philosophy. Okay, um, now I want you to think of three things that we talked about today that people should take away from this interview. So think of those three things and we'll come back to you in just one sec. 
Right now, I want to remind people that the show is brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. So if you're in business, you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, and you're thinking about your taxes, or maybe you're not thinking about your taxes, you don't want to worry about your taxes, you should be calling Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. Why? Because the way your business is structured is a big deal. If you need help with forensic accounting, with litigation support, if you need help with family office services, if you're someone who is uh, in, involved in, you manage, or you're setting up a family office, Sandrowski has over 35 years of experience and they can help you, reach out to them by calling 866-717-1607. All right, Carrie, what are the three things we should take away from our time together today? Well, I feel nervous about saying the three things, but I'm going to say the first thing that came to my mind, and I may need your help a little bit here, but I think the first thing that came to my mind is when you're working with any professional, whatever field that you're in, make sure that they have the experience and make sure that they have your best interest at heart. Absolutely. Yep. The professionals are a reflection on you. So you need to work with the people you trust. Absolutely. That's great. Absolutely. Make sure that the person that you're working with has a great network around them. So if you need anything further than that, that they're there for you, that they've got the connections. And I just want to end it with honestly, just be kind to everybody, you know, in every profession that we're in. I know, again, that sounds a little bit cheesy, but always do the right thing. Be kind to each other. And things go much easier in life when you do that. Absolutely. Your reputation makes a huge difference. And Carrie McCormick, you have a fantastic reputation and you are a fantastic guest. So thank you so much for joining thank us you. today. We really appreciate it. Love it. Thank you. All right, folks, that'll do it for another edition of the Inside BS Show. Until tomorrow, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life.